going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Good Tuesday afternoon. Hope you had a lovely long weekend. Uh, This half hour, uh, I don't know, it's going to be discouraging talking about this because I know you're listening saying, and we know the reality in Alberta, we know the reality in Calgary when it comes to jobs. As much as we've got economic outlooks that are improving, we still have a lot of people are out of work. So I completely understand. However, I did think it was important that we spend at least a half hour talking about A labor market report card. This comes from uh, BMO, the labor market report card. But I want to bring in Daniel Tenser. He's a senior business editor for uh, Huffington Post Canada, and he joins us today. Hello, Daniel. Hello, how are you? I'm well, and and I wanted to set it up this way because I have lots of listeners who have struggled for the last few years because of our economic downturn, but I, I still thought it was worth spending some time on this because the headline is the best cities in Canada to find a job, and I thought, okay, i got to look at this. And it goes on to say, are all in just three provinces. Daniel, what are the three provinces where we find the best cities to find a job? Well, they happen to be right now Ontario, British Columbia, and thanks to Winnipeg, Manitoba. Uh, the two cities covered in BMO's uh, market report card that are in Alberta, Calgary and Edmonton, did not make the top 10, unfortunately, and that has pretty much everything to do with the elevated uh, unemployment rate in those cities. If you uh, dig down into the data, the job gains in Calgary and Edmonton are actually fairly impressive over the last year. At the same time, though, there's this high unemployment rate. So what seems to be going on in Alberta right now is uh, the job market is in recovery mode. It's, uh, it's gone through some bad times with the oil price collapse. It's now coming back. Jobs are being created. But there's this whole legacy of a whole bunch of people who lost their jobs, who are still struggling to find work, and hence that high unemployment rate. And so that's essentially what I see is this job market, both in Calgary and in Edmonton, that's struggling right now to overcome, but is doing well as things stand at the moment. Well, let's back up. So the BMO labor market report card, what were they looking at in order for these cities to make the top 10 list? Well, they looked at uh, the unemployment rate a year ago versus now. How mm-hmm. has that improved? They, lo- they looked at the employment, uh, the, the actual levels, how many jobs have been created or lost over the past year. And they also looked at a few other uh, factors, like, for example, the, the, uh, the, the employment rate, the participation rate, what percentage of the population has a job. Uh, versus what percentage of the population doesn't have a job. Those numbers are actually fairly strong for Calgary and Edmonton. The 68 and 67 percent are some of the highest employment rates in the country. People in Alberta are working, a lot of them. It's just that not everybody who wants to work has a job and hence the problem. Daniel, did you say 68, 67? Are you saying 6.8, 6.7? Did I mishear that? No, I'm talking about the employment rate. Oh, the employment, yeah. Perfect, okay. 68 percent of people in... in, uh, in Calgary and 67% of people in Edmonton uh, who are of working age have a job, which is very high for, uh, for, by Canadian standards. You look at other cities, it's considerably lower. 
Well, and you know what? We often focus so much on the unemployment rate and we don't look as often at the employment rate. So when you were kind of talking about the good news that we're looking at creating more jobs in Calgary and Edmonton. However, what's holding us back from kind of cracking this top 10 list is that unemployment rate. Yeah, it's what I call sort of the legacy unemployment, the the damage done by the oil price collapse, which has left a lot of people out of work, a lot of people behind financially. And, you know, it'll take time as the job market recovers for all those people to find meaningful new jobs and, and get their finances in order. So, you know, the job market is still on that shaky ground, but it's it's in a better position than it was for uh, a year ago, that's for sure. Before we start kind of drilling down into the numbers in the provinces, overall, country, the country, Canada as a whole, we have been creating jobs, but people will always point out what kind of jobs are we creating? Did the uh, market report kind of dwell into that or get into that just to see if we're actually, because it's great that we're creating jobs, but are they the jobs that people used to have um, as far as their quality of life goes? Well, that's a, that's a very good question because job quality is something that has been, uh, a lot of reports over the last few years have brought up the issue of, of job quality in Canada. For example, CIBC has done a lot of uh, very interesting research into the subject, and they showed in, in a study published last year that uh, low-quality jobs, that is, they simply define low-quality jobs as jobs that put pay below the average. Those quote-unquote low-quality jobs that pay below the average, they've been growing a lot faster than high-quality jobs. And I think that um, the disappearance of so many high-paid oil industry jobs in Alberta mm-hmm. had had quite a lot to do with that. You know, when when those when you look at those numbers in the aggregate nationally, you're like, whoa, what happened to all these high-quality jobs over the last few years? And then you dig down and you realize, oh, that's right, oil used to be a hundred or more dollars per barrel. Now it's a fifty dollars a barrel. You know, the demand isn't there. These jobs have disappeared. Yeah. So, so you know, I think uh, when you pull back and you look at it that way, you see how important Alberta actually is to a strong national Canadian economy. And until Alberta uh, starts doing a little better and and, and uh, that unemployment rate starts coming down, I think uh, we'll we'll still be talking about job quality and, and job quality problems in this country. And Daniel, it's such a numbers game. I mean, you're a senior business editor. You look at numbers all the time. So you can say, oh, look at all the jobs that have been created. Well, look at the what they're paying and then what governments are actually collecting in income tax. So it, it becomes that vicious circle. Or you think that it's a positive news, but still the reality is, is jobs are being created, but they're not replacing the high-paying jobs that we have lost and, and some of those jobs forever. Yeah, some of those jobs are gone forever. In fact, um, not to scare anybody, but I would say that a lot of those jobs are gone forever. Mm-hmm. What, has, what has happened in the oil patch and in other industries in recent years is there's been a lot of automation. And uh, the, uh, the the decline in oil prices really lit a fire under a lot of the energy companies out west to uh, make their operations more efficient. And when they did that, they discovered there are all sorts of things that they can automate. A lot of the heavy operation of heavy machinery, a lot of the blue-collar work out in the fields is uh, very automatable. I, I would bet that even if oil miraculously jumped back up to $100 a barrel today and all the demand for Alberta oil just mm. came, came running back, 
a lot of those jobs still would not come back. Yeah. They're, they're not, it's just a structural thing. They're not coming back. So I think that, uh, you know, one question that Alberta should be asking itself, along with the question of job quality, how do we improve job quality, is, is uh, to really look forward in the long run and say, what can we complement our energy industry with to make a more sort of diverse economy that doesn't necessarily rely on this one sector where uh, long-term employment prospects aren't that great right now. Is that where and we I'm throw not... in, oh, sorry, Daniel, but is that where we throw in technology? Because it seems like we're, we're using that as we all race for Amazon. But is that what you're talking about? Like looking at sectors that can be shared? Uh, yes, uh, looking at sectors where Alberta could have a strength. There are all sorts of natural strengths that, that, that an economy has. In Alberta, you know, resources are obviously a huge one. Um, tourism is another. And uh, so what I'm suggesting essentially is if, if, if the goal is to get to full employment and to make sure that those are high-quality jobs, then now would be a good time to start investing in all sorts of other sectors in the economy. The ones that, that Albertans themselves determine are the ones, you know, that have the best chance of succeeding in the global, mm. in the global uh, arena, so to speak. And, and investing in that, uh, you know, Alberta has seen a massive drop off in capital investments since oil prices collapsed. There's far less money uh, flowing into the province than there used to be. Uh, it might be time to actually start at that point in the economic cycle and say, let's start attracting real money for other kinds of projects in Alberta. That's not to say we're going to abandon oil or energy. Alberta has too strong a base in that industry to let go of that. But it means complementing what you have with other industries and creating new strengths so that Alberta doesn't find itself, you know, sort of going through this process like we've seen over the last few years where, where you know, you're doing well, everything's great, and then suddenly... A circumstance out of your control, the price of oil collapses, and 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 you have this uh, this uh, situation, this uh, sort of imported recession, yeah. so to speak. Daniel, I think one smart yeah. thing is, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just uh, going to re- reiterate the point that it would just simply be smart strategic planning to look at investing beside the oil industry, investing in new things. I think Alberta ha- would have a real strength, I think, in tourism these days, especially with a low Canadian dollar. Daniel, let's take a break here because obviously I've got this list and people maybe are listening saying, all right, I'm thinking I'm moving. Where should I be going if there is a a better city to be able to find a job? We'll go through that list and also touching on the role government plays in making those decisions or attracting those companies. Daniel Tenser is my guest this half hour. He's the senior business editor, HuffPost Canada. Back with Daniel after this. We are talking about the uh, job situation in the country. Uh, BMO Labour Market Report came up with the top 10 cities in Canada where you have a pretty good chance of finding a job. <laughs> Daniel Tanser, Senior Bez- Business Editor, Huffington Post Canada, joins us. And so I-, I guess we should go through the list here. And then I want to touch on government because I'm already getting texts from people saying, here's, here's a good text. We have to stop blaming the price of oil. When I moved here, oil was $12 a barrel. The problem is that traditionally when oil is low and labor is cheap, companies would be investing. The problem is that companies are now afraid to invest in Alberta. So, Daniel, I guess maybe I have to throw that to you because when I look at this list, we've got three BC cities, we've got six Ontario cities, and we've got one 
city in Manitoba, as you said, because of Winnipeg. But all different governments, I mean, B.C., now NDP, Ontario, a liberal government, uh, Manitoba has PCs. How much do you think the government of that those province has in seeing that those cities make it to the list? Um, you know, to be honest with you, I would not give them all that much credit yeah. for it. Uh, I think, you know, provincial governments, whether they're NDP or, or conservative or liberal, they generally, uh, they they do what they feel is best or what they believe is best for the job situation, for the economy. I think in terms of Ontario, I think especially in Quebec these days, which is enjoying uh, historically low unemployment rates, those governments have, uh, have, have uh, you know, they've had a few home runs recently. But... Uh, the the job situation changes too rapidly to uh to really give credit to any government policy or any 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 particular government uh, to make an economy work to hire you need not just good government policy you need entrepreneurs who are uh adventurous who want to invest in in new businesses and therefore hire you uh <clears throat> you need a good uh, global economic environment you know you need to have uh Exports. You need to be able to sell to 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 various different markets. So I wouldn't put too much blame or give too much credit for any one government for the situation as it stands today. Well, that's interesting because I was going to go. All right, I can understand. Don't give them credit, but do you ever blame a government that maybe has onerous or high corporate taxes? Um, they have. I'm throwing out carbon tax in our province. Do do they set up policy that could be blamed on discouraging investment? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. a government can screw up a good situation with one bad policy. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it, it, that's just kind of how it works. If you're asking me about Alberta's carbon tax and and the NDP government in Alberta today, um, I would say, and maybe this isn't necessarily a very popular position right now in Alberta, but I would say that I wouldn't put too much blame on them. Because when you look at the situation behind the carbon tax, whether you're talking about the NDP's carbon tax in Alberta or the liberal carbon tax at the at the national level, behind the rhetoric and the debates about pipelines, are they right or wrong? Should we build them? Where should we build them? Behind all of that is a very bad economic situation for oil right now. Mm. And uh, oil prices have basically hovered at the break-even point for existing oil sands operations for about three years at this point. Um, why are prices for Alberta oil low? Because the de- the demand isn't what it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. And the demand isn't what it, what it used to be because we've got new production in the U.S. This is something I think Albertans should be really aware of. The biggest new competition to Alberta oil is next door in the United States, the oil shale play in Texas and in North Dakota. You know, they're those oil industries are more nimble, they're more adaptable, they're faster than the oil sands. They can get an operation up and running much faster than the kinds of you know, than the multi-billion dollar, multi-year process of getting an oil sands mine up and running. Yeah. You know, it's a different kind of thing. So, so uh, to, to, I think to blame government policy at this point in the game uh, is that that's only one small part of it. Can it be argued that that uh, the NDP could be doing more to help Alberta's oil industry? I'm sure they could be, um, but I don't think that there's anything that they could do to change the really abysmal economics of the industry right now. 
And part of what I was saying earlier about Alberta, you know, that Alberta should be looking seriously at expanding to other large industries that can generate jobs outside of energy. Part of the reason why I made that point was looking at the future of the oil industry. It's very uncertain, right? Yeah. It's it's uncertain in many ways. It's uncertain because of government policy. What do these what will these carbon taxes mean for the industry? You know, this is this is another hindrance, another obstacle in the way of a of a of a, of a, of a functional and uh, and profitable oil industry. But it's certainly not the only thing that's happening. And then there are also the political aspects, the international political aspects you got to look at. Okay, let's say you have a government in Alberta that says, you know what, we're going to scrap the carbon tax. We're going to do everything we can to make this industry hum. At 100%, we're going to make uh, the environment here in Alberta as absolutely, uh, you know, supportive of the industry as possible. What would be the political response around the world? You look at China that is now busily trying to reduce its carbon footprint. Whether they're succeeding or not is another story. Western Europe famously trying to reduce its carbon footprint. The U.S. under Trump, who knows? But Trump won't always be there. We have to look at that whole global situation and say, what would the reaction be if if Alberta put oil on the market like that? Daniel, Daniel, I'm up against a news break, and I know I was only keeping you till 3.30, but I, I've, that was such a great answer, and now I've got no time to be able to go through the list. Can you just hang in for our news break, and let's go through the 10 so that people, because you might be surprised to hear who number one is. Do you have somewhere to go, Daniel? Are you there, Daniel? I am here. Are you, are you okay for another 10 minutes or so? I am okay for 10 minutes. Perfect. Let's put Daniel on hold because, as I said, I was kind of surprised by number one. We've got news coming up next. I feel we should have a drum roll. We have waited so long. What is the top 10 cities where it's the best place to find a job? Daniel Tenser is a senior business editor, HuffPost Canada, and we are talking about BMO's labor market report card. And we just got into um, a good discussion, so I was running out of time here. Daniel, I'm not going to do the David Letterman starting at number 10 and going to number one. I'm jumping to number one because I was kind of surprised by this, and maybe you can give a bit more background, reminding my listeners again how this list was compiled. You said they looked at jobs created and year-over-year unemployment rate. Is that what it was? That's right. Uh, the, the labor market report card looks at a number of different factors that affect the job market, and they look at how it has performed over the past year. Where was the job market a year ago? Where is it today? Uh, to see which places are, are seeing the, the most improvement in their job markets and, and which places are sort of falling behind. And uh, so do you want me to reveal yeah. the number one? <laughs> reveal the number one, Daniel. Well, the, the, the number one is Kelowna, British Columbia. Kelowna. And so they added, uh, am I reading this correctly, 14.3% jobs were added in the past year. Yes, that's what the data shows. It's one of those times where the data is so unbelievable. I don't want to say that's what happened. I just want to say that's what the data shows. Yeah, yeah. Because... <laughs> You know, there might be revisions in the future. Fourteen To add 14.3% new jobs in the space of a single year is astonishing. I mean, that's the kind of thing you would expect maybe out of a really strong job market somewhere in the emerging market world, like, you know, in a, in a booming city in China or something like that. You'd be lucky to get 14.3% job growth. Here, Kelowna has managed it over the past year. 
So I guess the next question is why? What's going on yeah. in Kelowna? Do you know? Do you know? <laughs> that, that, uh, I, I have some clue. The, the labor market report card doesn't go into any in-depth analysis, but I do have some ideas to what's going on in Kelowna. Uh, for one thing, it's the fastest-growing metro area in British Columbia. Okay. So it's seeing an enormous influx of population. If you check out their local uh, news sources, you'll see quite a few stories dealing with a housing shortage. Mm. They're desperate to build housing to uh, to accommodate all the people coming in to take these new jobs. Basically, the uh, uh, Kelowna employer's biggest problem right now seems to be finding housing for the workers they're bringing in from other places. They, mm. they don't have enough space for all the jobs. Um, I believe, from what I've seen uh, of the data, that what's going on in part in Kelowna is that it's experiencing a spillover from Vancouver. Vancouver is a few hours away. It's got a booming housing market. It's got a booming job market. It has really created quite a lot of jobs over the uh, over the last year, about nearly three percent. It was above three percent. If you if you if you looked at this data six months ago, it would have been more than three percent job growth per year. In Vancouver, and I think uh, with those high house prices and land so in demand, what we're hearing about anecdotally is people moving out to the interior, into the valley, to get out of Vancouver's super intense housing market. And they're setting up shop there. They're creating real population growth, and it's turning Kelowna into something of a boom town right now. Uh, but before you decide to pack up and move to Kelowna, yeah. One one thing that you should understand about Kelowna is it's very much a tourist economy. That's what I wondered. When you saw all those jobs, I was wondering, although it could be in construction because if they're building so many houses, but Kelowna is a tourist destination. It is a tourist destination. It has a very much a seasonal economy. Uh, so the jobs being created in Kelowna, and I know I'm going to get some angry phone calls from Kelowna City Hall about this. The jobs being created in Kelowna are probably not of the same quality as the jobs that Alberta yeah. lost in recent years. Yeah, yeah. Right? You're not going to re- you're not going to replace your six figure salary in the oil patch with a job working at the Howard Johnson's in Kelowna. Yeah. Oh, I know. I'm I'm, I'm already getting lots of angry texts, Daniel. So don't worry. You're not. <laughs> it sounds like you're having to defend everything here. But um, uh, that's my listeners. They they're uh, fairly reactionary, especially when we've dealt with uh, unemployment for so long. You know, I want to move on from Kelowna though, because uh, number two is Hamilton, Ontario, and the reason mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about Hamilton is because they were you know steel town they that that's where they were the one sector town and uh, that changed and yet they made number two because they say jobs added in the past year 12 and a half percent unemployment rate is 4.2 percent what's happening in hamilton ontario is this another spillover like the vancouver to Kelowna would be toronto to hamilton yes except i think in this case it's much more concrete i think vancouver the formerly struggling steel town has basically recreated itself. It's gotten a second life as a suburb of Toronto. Yeah. Essentially, uh, so many people have been priced out of Toronto's housing market over the past several years that Hamilton, which sits about 80 kilometers west of Toronto, now looks like a very reasonable place to set up shop and, and commute to Toronto, especially if you work on the west side of Toronto, like Mississauga or that area, yeah. you're not that, you're not too far from Hamilton. Uh, one thing that BML noted in, in their analysis about Hamilton is that, you know, when you measure where jobs are being created, you measure it at the point of a person's residence. So those people 
living in Hamilton have 12.5% more jobs. But that doesn't mean the jobs are in Hamilton. The jobs could be anywhere around Hamilton. They could be in what's called the Greater Golden Horseshoe oh. area, basically. That whole huge mess of cities around the western edge of Lake Ontario. It could be Toronto. It could be Oshawa. It could be Oakville, St. Catharines, uh, Kitchener, Waterloo. So it's not necessarily Hamilton itself that is creating all those jobs. But certainly Hamilton seems to be at the very center of this massive real estate and development boom around southern Ontario. And I would suggest if you've got people in Alberta looking for somewhere to move, rather than Kelowna, Hamilton, Greater Golden Horseshoe area might be a better choice mm-hmm. because plenty of those jobs there is probably going to be higher. And again, I'm going to watch out for the anger from Kelowna. Daniel, <laughs> hold on. I might be losing my job here. I forgot a traffic break here. I, I tell you, he's got such good information. I want to go through it all. Uh, let's check traffic. Looking slow already on northbound Deerfoot and Crowchild. Deerfoot stretches between 16th Avenue and 64th Avenue northeast. In the city's west side, Crowchild slow between 16th Avenue north and 17th Avenue south. If you're southbound on Crowchild Trail, getting down to Glenmore, light back up there to around 50th Avenue. And looking back to the northeast quadrant, there's bridge construction southbound on Stony Trail at 96th Avenue, and delays are stretching to Country Hills. Over 50, you may be at risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. While getting your flu shot, ask about the Prevnar 13 vaccine. Visit Prevnar.ca to learn if it's right for you. For the News Talk 770 Traffic Helicopter, I'm Chris Duchesne. We've got clouds in the forecast tonight, a low of zero. Tomorrow, chance of flurries, a high four degrees. Thursday, clouds and three. And then Friday, partly cloudy and three degrees. I'm Angela Cocott, 403-974-8255. You know what? I know I can keep Daniel just for a few minutes, but I think I'll squeeze in a break here so that I can just get as much time out of Daniel as possible. We're back after this. Daniel Tanser, senior business editor, HuffPost Canada. And I know next time I call him, he's not going to be picking up because he's saying, and you said a half an hour, but only because we had some good information there and we've got the top 10 list. And I wanted to go to number three because this is that idea of maybe attracting the tech sector or making sure that your city shines in that area. Kitchener, Ontario. Run through that one, Daniel. Kitchener, Ontario, number three in the top ten cities in Canada to find a job. They have an unemployment rate of four and a half percent. That's for the third quarter of this year, for July to September. By comparison, Calgary and Edmonton, eight and a half percent for that same period. So can tech create high-quality jobs? Absolutely. I think Kitchener-Waterloo, that area there, uh, it's it sort of... It started out with a university, right? It started out uh, because of the University of Waterloo, which was graduating tons of engineers. Mm-hmm. So a lot of tech companies, including one called Research in Motion that later would become BlackBerry, realized, hey, you know, this is this is a, a great little place to, to find good, talented people for the tech industry. This university is pounding out high-quality engineers every year. They set up shop there. A bunch of other companies set up shop there. We're talking about 20 years ago or so. And today, down the line, what you have is, uh, I think, Canada's second largest technology cluster after Ottawa. Hmm. Something very, Something very impressive. But it took vision and it took a long time. And you had to make sure that you had an educated workforce. 
That's right. It began with, I, at least that's how it looks to me, looking at the, the evolution of the whole thing. It began with the University of Waterloo and the and creation of, of talent at that university. And from there, it, it sort of expanded into the private sector and, and became the driving force of this community. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, you, you wouldn't think of Kitchener-Waterloo necessarily as being a candidate for this kind of thing. If you go back 20 or 30 years, these uh, you know these uh, old post, uh, older post-industrial cities in southern Ontario, not too far from Toronto, sort of <clears throat> doing their own thing, existing in their own little economy, and suddenly they exploded into this. Yeah. So is is there is there a lesson for Alberta? Yes. And uh, could Alberta repeat something like that? Absolutely. I think that the the human capital is there, the uh, the financial capital can certainly be there. But uh, I think to succeed, it has to start with the with the homegrown talent. It has to start with the human talent. Mm-hmm. Daniel, I know you got to leave in three minutes, so let's finish off this list. Uh, and I can do it when you leave. I'll finish with my listeners. But I, I just wanted to get in Winnipeg, Manitoba. What's happening in Winnipeg? Uh, that's actually quite a, a good question. Winnipeg is in fourth place. It has a nice low unemployment rate around five point five percent, and it's created two point six percent new jobs over the last year. Uh, Winnipeg is um, kind of a mystery to me, <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> why that city is, is doing so well. Except one thing I can tell you, that historically, Winnipeg has has hummed along nicely. It ha- it's, it's got a very stable economy. It does not seem to be horribly affected by, uh, by the things that are going around in the neighboring provinces. It wasn't too badly affected by the... Uh, the oil price collapse, which hit Alberta and Saskatchewan a lot harder, it, uh, it it doesn't get dragged down into the industrial recessions that Ontario and Quebec mm. see from time to time. Uh, it's got a nice, resilient economy. Its major problem is it's half a million people. It's not that large. So in terms of a place to move to for work, Winnipeg, I think its options would be limited. But if you can find work there, I think you'd be you'd be well off. Daniel, thanks so much. And um, I know people can find it all on BMO's Labor Market Report card. I'll kind of finish off the list here, but I I kept you way over time. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for having me on, Angela. Thanks, Daniel. Daniel Tanser, he is with Huffington Post Canada, senior business editor. And yeah, I I do want to finish the list, though, because I was surprised to see Winnipeg. Uh, Barrie, Ontario, I think when you look again at Barrie, Ontario, it is that proximity to Toronto. And the fact is, it's just so expensive to be able to afford a house that a lot of people are looking 115 miles north of Toronto and Barrie. So they added, you know, they actually didn't add. It was negative 2.0, but their unemployment rate is around 6%. So when they did the calculations, they put them at 5. Vancouver is uh, the number 6 in the uh, top 10 cities to be able to find a job. Added jobs, 2.4% year over year, and their unemployment rate is still down at 4.5%. And let's see here, Guelph, Ontario, they added 4.6. I don't want to keep throwing a bunch of numbers at you, but Guelph. And then what was 8 was Oshawa, Ontario. 9 was Toronto, Ontario. And uh, the 10th top best city in Canada to find a job was Victoria, B.C., 3.1% jobs added. The unemployment rate is 4.5%. It actually says Victoria dropped six spots on the ranking in the past year, but still maintains a top 10 spot thanks to strong growth 
and a very low jobless rate. But I think, and I've got a few minutes here, I'm going to read a whole bunch of the texts that have come in, but you can also give us a call, 403-974-8255. I would like to see a real breakdown of the jobs created. Because I think when you look at Victoria, and even Daniel was saying, when you're looking at places like Kelowna, you know that the probably the jobs created are probably in, higher in the tourism sector. Although if Kelowna is having a housing shortage and they're having to build a bunch of houses for all these employees, then I'm also hoping to see it in the construction sector, which would be paying higher than the tourism sector. But uh, so I think it, it's great to say that you're on the top 10, but I don't know if it's one that I'm too upset that Calgary isn't on the top 10 list of best cities in Canada to find a job. I want Calgary to be on that list when it comes to the quality of the job you're going to find, that you're not going to move to a city that we experienced a few years back when vacancy rates were negative, I don't know, 0.2%. You had a hard time finding a place. People had a hard time finding employees, so you didn't get the best service. So I, I don't think you ever want to be firing on all engines, so to speak. I'd, I'd rather be able to find some good, happy middle ground. 403-974-8255. Um, and one texter just says, maybe the wages in Alberta were too high. That whole idea of during the boom time and when we had highly paid employees in the energy sector, how that changed things. What did that do for the overall skew of the average weekly earnings? And of course, of course, Ottawa, of course, Alberta, any government would like to see high paid people because then you're getting more in income taxes. But then what does that do when you look at it overall, comparing it to everyone else in um, that may not be directly in the energy sector. Uh, One person says here, you can't get a good paying job in Calgary unless you know someone nowadays. Not even a sniff. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, Another one here, um, equalization payments, save them. Uh, Were we just talking about Ontario? Are you still referring to equalization payments for Quebec? Sorry, when texts fly in, I, I don't always have them tied exactly to the comment. Someone here says, okay, maybe the high housing costs in Toronto and Vancouver have to do something with the income you can produce there. And the factor of foreign buyers is a correlation, not a causation. Maybe that's why you can get an acreage for so cheap compared to a lot in the city. Now, are they saying an acreage outside uh, in BC as opposed to a lot in the city? Um, Sorry, sometimes um, the texts aren't as clear as I'd like them to be. Yeah. Someone says Kelowna job growth was on fire. Oh, wait, Kelowna was on fire. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing when it came to jobs created. Hopefully it wasn't in the uh, first responders and emergency. Uh, one texter just says, I put blame at governments for skewed numbers because of large increases in public sector hiring, not increases in the private sector. And I, and I think that's what I'm taking away from the labor market report card is I need to know where were those jobs created? Because yes, any government, even if I say the NDP government, I always get a whole bunch of texts from people saying, and you never miss an opportunity to slam the NDP. 
I'm just saying, if those are the jobs that are created, that is a little bit different, as this texter points out, than jobs that are created in the private sector. Um, the person goes on to say, public sector means big wages, big benefits, but low actual benefits to the economy as to production. Lots of paper pushers, but no production, no value. Um, yeah, sure, numbers look great. It's a fool's game, smoke and mirrors. And and uh, texture, you're bang on. I, I can't say that I've got the breakdown, and Daniel even said that it wasn't as if the, the labor market report was saying specifically how many in agriculture, how many in the energy sector, which I think would tell a better story. Uh, yeah, any day I tune into the station, it's a relentless NDP slamming session. There's no balance. I never hear any questioning of the Conservative Party policies. Objectivity would be appreciated. Now, is that the uh, Conservative Party policies provincially? Um, and I think Daniel did do it. I had to throw it out there about what, you know, governments take the credit or the blame and especially when it comes to certain policies. So Daniel, if anything, he probably was the side of it saying he has looked at what's happening in the oil sector and whether or not the carbon tax is the the reason that people aren't investing. He's saying there is a much bigger global issue when it comes to oil demand. But even having said that, someone texts and says, your guest is completely out to lunch. Um, he doesn't know. it's There is a problem with demand. So... You know what I have learned doing this for almost seven years? You can't please everyone. We've got news coming up next.